Today, I want to talk about failure. I want to talk about when we have those moments where we just make a mess of things. We screw up, we drop the ball, we ruin something, we hurt someone. If you're anything like me, I find moments of personal failure almost intolerable, excruciating. If you're like me, you see yourself as a person who functions at a high level, who doesn't like to let anyone down. Your identity is wrapped up in the notion that you are so capable and that you are not one of those people that screws up very often. And I want to talk about failure because all of those things, if you're like me and you feel that way about yourself, it's a real dangerous way to live because to be human is to fail from time to time. In fact, some days I feel like I fail on a daily basis if I really think about it. It's a dangerous thing when we have our self-concept tethered to this notion that we're not allowed to make mistakes. We're not allowed to let people down. We're not allowed to fail. So where I want to begin this discussion is talk about what our natural inclinations are when we fail because we inevitably do. Our natural inclinations are to cover our asses, lie about it, obfuscate, throw the scent of the trail off so that people don't realize it was our bad. Or maybe we might play the blame game where we screw up, but you know what? It wasn't really our fault because this, this, and this were happening. Sound familiar? Or we just otherwise try and create a red herring, right? A sort of smoke and Velcro situation where we try and erase any path that might lead to personal culpability. Or some of us just roll over. You ever, you ever see a dog that meets another dog and the other dog's super alpha and burly and the dog that comes up is super beta and they just roll over on their back with their feet up? That's another inclination that we sometimes feel when we fail. We just roll over and say, oh my God, I suck. I'm the lowest of the low. Step on me. And those are all really normal responses, especially in the culture we live in. We live in a culture that loves to point at people who have screwed up. We love, we love to read about people that have screwed up. We love to talk about people that have screwed up. We love it. So all of those reactions, I'm not demonizing them. In fact, they're absolutely normal that you would feel that way, that I would feel that way. But those reactions aren't particularly conscious. They're not particularly high-minded or evolved. They are just base, knee-jerk gut reactions to screwing up. And I want to offer an alternative path for anybody that's interested in doing failure differently, in doing failure in a way that doesn't involve a deep shame spiral, right? In fact, I remember when, do you guys remember this? Remember when Lance Armstrong, when it finally came out that yes, he had won, you know, all these Tour de France, Tour de Force. <laughs> I'm such, literally you guys, what I know about sports, you could fit on the head of a needle. So don't judge. But he won the Tour de France a bunch of times and he'd come back from testicular cancer and dated Cheryl Crow. And like the guy was just like living this, we thought, high integrity, highly motivated life. And it turned out that he wasn't. And the whole thing was a lie. 
because he was doping. And not only was he doping, he was implicating lots of other cyclists as well. And he was at the center of this sort of massive lie. And as I watched him on television, I can't remember, it must have been Oprah that interviewed him. I think it was Oprah that that got the big post interview. And I remember looking at him and thinking, this is a guy who cannot tolerate failure. And he so cannot tolerate failure that he will do anything. He will stop at nothing to cover it up. So where I want to begin with this alternative path to experiencing failure is I want to begin with the point at which we realize we've screwed up. The point at which we realize our mistake has been found out. Step one, my brothers and sisters, is to feel the feel associated with having screwed up. Think about the last time you made a big mistake. Could have been a work mistake, could have been a relationship mistake, big or small. Sit for a moment with that feeling of knowing this is my bad. This is my fault. I feel, you know what it feels like for me? It feels like it feels like free fall. It feels like there's a giant open cavern of blackness in my belly that if I think about it, touch it, or go there, I will fall and I will keep falling and the falling will never end. That's what it feels like for me to sit with failure. I want you to figure out what yours feels like. What does it feel like if you really sit with it? Whatever it is, that shame that realization that you're you're so not perfect. In fact, it's hilarious how not perfect you are. It's hilarious that you thought you were perfect or even good, right? Isn't that a mean thing we say to ourselves, but it's true. We have to be willing to sit with that feeling for a little bit and feel it because if we don't, you guys, if we don't sit with that feeling of free fall, sit with that nausea, We will do anything to avoid the feeling up to and including selling ourselves out, selling people around us out, blaming, making other people's feel like shit because we can't stand to feel like shit, right? So that first step is to just get to know what it feels like in your body and in your psyche when you screw up. That's step one. Step two is you've got to be willing to own your shit, right? To own the mistake. It's a wonderful thing to practice owning your mistakes in low-risk situations. This is a pattern in my coaching. Whenever there's a big thing, I like practicing it in little ways, little moments, low-risk moments. So for example, with my kids, because they're stuck with me and they'll never leave me because I'm feeding them and keeping them safe, if I make a mistake with my kids, I love practicing owning it with them because I get a micro taste of what it feels like to know I screwed up. I get a micro taste of, okay, own it. You know, tell them that you made the mistake. And in owning it and saying, you know what? Sure, there is extenuating circumstances, but the part of this that I own is X. And then from there, you can attempt to fix it by making a true apology. You know, when celebrities make these apologies, it always cracks me up because their apologies are like, I'm sorry if that made you feel bad. That wasn't my intention. That is not an apology. I remember, I can't even remember, Madonna had to apologize for something. I wish I could remember what she did. But the apology was basically like, I'm really sorry if you misunderstood me, but this is what I was trying to do. That is not a freaking apology. That's like, sorry, not sorry. A real apology goes like this. I did X. 
It was super not okay that I did X. And I am sorry for the pain it must have caused you. I am sorry for the impact that that action had on you. You didn't deserve it. And I want to make it right. And then we can go about making it right, right? This small act of courage and vulnerability and owning our stuff and making it right is radical revolutionary stuff. And the more that we do it, the more that we model for those around us that it's okay to do it too. And we start creating this virtuous loop of integrity, of returning to wholeness, of reparation, of fixing what needs to be fixed. And that creates a kind of trust in a family. It creates a kind of trust in a marriage. It creates a kind of trust in a work environment when you own your stuff. In fact, I was at a training recently. I was People were doing like mock presentations and getting feedback. And it was me and it was a very, very high up vice president in a company. And there was a young person up there who was new to the job. And I asked him, because I was pretending to be the customer and he was pretending to be the sales guy. And I asked him a very basic question that he should have known the answer to. And what he did, instead of sort of prevaricating and dancing around it, he said to me, looked me in the eye and he said, you know, I don't know the answer to that. And I really should know the answer and I apologize. But what I can do is find out and get back to you right away. And the vice president who was sitting next to me is not exactly known as a warm and fuzzy guy. He's very direct, very brilliant, but very direct. And he stopped and he said, I just want to stop and tell you how courageous that was. I love that you just owned that and it makes me trust you. And I thought, God, what a powerful lesson for everybody in this room watching that. It takes such courage and such balls, pardon my French, sorry, not sorry, to own your stuff and make it right. And you can choose to be that person. You can choose to be that person. The next step after owning it and making it right is to decide what kind of meaning am I going to make of this? Because, you know, talking about the past is really boring, And talking about the past is an energy drain unless, unless you're speaking about the past in terms of what it taught you, in terms of the meaning you created, in terms of how it changed who you are and the way you see yourself in this world. So when you screw up, when you've owned it and you've made reparations, now you get to determine what story you're going to tell yourself about that moment. Is it a story of like, my God, that moment was a gift because never again would I permit myself to do the thing that led to the bad choice, right? Or my God, that moment was such a gift because it allowed me to see that this is a hard thing and that I shouldn't judge other people for making the same mistake, right? What is the meaning you're going to make from that moment? For example, I remember I made this huge mistake one time, and I don't want to out it because it involves people and I don't want to harm anyone in the telling of the story. But I remember sitting with the pain of the pain I had caused. And I remember sitting with it and thinking, you are worthless. You suck. This sucks. And if anybody knew how worthless you were, It's kind of the imposter syndrome, right? If anybody knew how worthless you were, they would kick you off the planet. So you have to hide this secret. You have to keep this a secret. And I remember in that moment thinking, God, I don't, that's not who I want to be. 
that is not who I want to be. I don't want to be a secret keeper. Secrets make you sick. It's like they say in AA, you're only as sick as your secrets. And I remember very clearly in that moment thinking, I'm not going to be the person that hides and obfuscates and blames. I'm just not going to do it. What I'm going to do is own it and I'm going to take the heat. And my imagination ran off with me and I thought, okay, when I own this, what's going to happen is I'm going to be put on blast and I'm going to get annihilated. But you know what? I don't want to be a secret keeper anymore, so I'm going to take the annihilation and see what that feels like. And you know what actually happens when you go and make a correct apology and a real reparation? If you're dealing with someone who's not a sociopath, what ends up happening is the person is so grateful that you saw their pain and you owned your part in causing that pain that they will meet you usually from a place of gratitude and actually the beginnings of forgiveness. You might hear things like, thank you for saying that. I really needed to hear you say, I'm sorry. Thank you. And what actually begins is a different kind of relationship from that moment, a kind of relationship that's based on reality. And reality means that none of us are perfect. And if we're in any kind of relationship together, parent, you know, child, husband, wife, or, you know, wife, wife, or husband, husband, teacher, student. If we're in those dynamics thinking that one of us has the upper hand and the perfection role, we're in for a real lot of pain. So from that moment, what it does is it creates an environment of reality, of realness, of authenticity. So if we can sit with our annihilation and we can make a reparation and we can see that on the other side is real trust, the meaning story we write from that is powerful. And it's humble, right? Which leads me to the last piece of this. Once you've made meaning, let this opportunity make you soft. And by that, I mean make you compassionate, make you a person that understands that none of us are perfect and that judging someone else for their screw up is absurd. It is absolutely absurd. And when somebody screws up, and hurts you, use that as an opportunity to create softness instead of outrage. I mean, obviously have good boundaries and require require that you're treated properly. But if that person has the courage to come to you and apologize and make it right, don't condemn them. Let your past mistakes realize that it takes such honor and integrity to sit with the feelings of annihilation and to apologize and to make an attempt to repair Be that soft place for that person. Let your own failures make you a person of deep compassion. Because as I always say, earth school is so very hard. Earth school is agony. And anyone that judges anyone else for making mistakes is setting themselves up for an epic cosmic joke. Because here's what I found. I have actually found this mostly in parenting because it's where I'm the judgiest. All the things that I'm the most judgmental about with other people's screw-ups come back to haunt me tenfold. So all the things I was like, oh my God, I would never do that. When I have kids, I'm never doing that. Not only did I end up doing them, I ended up doing them way worse than I ever observed anybody else doing them. And I had to walk myself back from that and make reparations, right? So we have to use our failures to make us more compassionate, more human. And what failures give us 
is the eyes of kindness. We walk around this world and instead of seeing separation, we see unity. We see people doing their absolute best to wake up and take each day as it comes. And we're doing our absolute best with what we know moment to moment. And if you play it right, my friends, failure will make you the most rich, loving, compassionate, warm, open human being, the best possible version of you if you let it. So remember, the next time you screw up, be willing to sit with it and the feeling of the screw up. Get to know what that feels like for yourself so it's not such an untouchable, he who shall not be named, Voldemort situation like Adam Dorsey said. Get used to feeling it. Learn to own it and apologize properly and make it right. Learn to make meaning of it. Write the story in your mind, not a story of shame, but a story of growth, a story of redemption, and let it draw you deeper into your own humanity, into your own realness, and let it be the thing that helps you love humanity that much more. Because we're all in this together, and we're all screw-ups, and we're also luminous beings of potential. So, friends... I hope you haven't had any screw-ups lately, but if you have, it's all right. I'm right there with you. And let this week be a week of redemption and forgiveness and self-forgiveness. Shine on, you crazy diamonds. I'll see you next time. <laughs>